0: What is going on, my beautiful people? Happy Thursday. What a beautiful day. The weather's been beautiful. Everyone should be feeling good. At least I am, personally. Um, life is good. Today actually is the one-year anniversary from my last live show that I worked. Uh, right, I was on the road right when COVID hit. So in the middle of a tour with uh, the Katasha boys and <laughs> the whole thing got canceled two shows in because of COVID. And that's the last time I did that. So, but here I am, we're back better than ever. Let me check. Uh, I just ate some barbecue chicken, you know, make sure I might have some barbecue sauce I'm on my, no, I'm all good, but you know, mm-hmm. I just ate dinner and I'm recording this intro because, um, for episode twenty six, I didn't really intro Sean in. We just kind of went into it because he's a professional, and I uh, didn't want to waste his time. Uh, yeah, so episode twenty six is with Sean O'Connell, who is the managing director for Cinema Blend and the co-host co-host of Real Blend, which is the, their, his podcast. You know, you can see him on NBC, hear him on the radio. Um, he's the author of released the Snyder Cut book, which I have here. I it came, I'm currently reading it. I'm hoping to finish. Um by the time Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League hits HBO, which I will. But he uh, he's the author of that and he's writing a book called With Great Power. He's based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um this this is this one was a ton of fun. I obviously brought him on because I wanted to promote his book and you know we got to talk about that and we also got to talk about a lot of nerdy shit just like dc you know dc and what the snyder cut is gonna entail and we talked a little Lamello ball too just because like i'm like what's the buzz going on out there with Lamelo? because Lamelo is my favorite player so i had to ask him and he was all about it he's a big nba fan which is cool but we I had a ton of fun with this one and uh i hope you'll enjoy it just as i did uh, you know, Sean is a great guy, and I, you know, I want to help promote his book and just uh, have a good conversation. I mean, he's he's been working in the film industry as a journalist since like nineteen ninety nine, which is like incredible. That's a he's had a great career, and that's pretty admirable because a lot of us, you know, want instant gratification, and he's worked his way to where he is today. And just to talk to him and hear his story and hear the inspiration behind this book. Which is incredible. I mean, and for the record, so if, if anyone out there is confused, like, what, what's Zack Snyder's Justice League? What the heck? Like, didn't Justice League come out in 2017? Like, in the theater? I remember going to see it and it sucked. Well, so this book is the behind the scenes story of what really went down, essentially. With credit, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I'm just in love with the, the design of it and like how great, like this feels like a great book, but anyways, uh, Zack Snyder, uh, resigned from the, you know, justice league project halfway through production do, uh, his, his, uh, daughter, one, one of his daughters, autumn committed suicide. And, uh, he, he was just too tired of fighting with the studio and, um, resigned from the project. Uh, he, he directed the, the the prequels to it, Man of Steel, which is a super Superman based movie, and then Batman v Superman. And due when I'm reading this book, due to the, the uh, response of part of it was you know due to the re- the reception from Batman v Superman from the critics and that it didn't pull a billion dollars at the box office, Warner Brothers started to panic a little bit, you know and. We were like, you know, they wanted the Justice League movie to be two hours long and just all these, like, we got to be like the event, you know, Marvel, just instead of, you know, making a great movie. And, uh, you know, Zach, he had a family tragedy and he uh, just was done. He didn't have the energy to fight with the studio. So, but with streaming services, you know, and this is what we talk about on episode two, like HBO Max, um, it was the perfect opportunity and platform to be able to release, you know, his cut, his version and vision of the movie, you know, cause for those that don't know, a director's cut of a movie, like when you first shoot it, it's normally like four or five hours long. And so he has a HBO max or at and whoever, you know, they paid, uh, you know, they gave Zach a budget of like $70 million to finish the CGI on it. Um, and, it's come, it comes out next Thursday and I could not be more. I'm so excited to watch it. Um, you know, because I mean, the first one was just so awful. Like what Superman, they had to CGI, CGI off his mustache. Just like I had to CGI off my barbecue sauce for my dinner. i just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, it, it just was a joke. And people from Warner brothers have admitted too. like, dude, like, yeah, we, we kind of knew that the movie we were putting in theaters was trash. And, um, I mean, the Justice League, they're such iconic comic book characters. You know, you have Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, The Flash, Batman. Like, this is going to be awesome. Um, I can't wait, you know, to get into the episode here. So, without further ado, please welcome Sean O'Connell to the RPD show. Well, uh, thanks, Sean, for joining me on the RPD show. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Good to be here.
0: Thank you. I mean, it's kind of surreal. Cause like, I'm, I'm a big fan of like your, the videos that you do and it's just cool to kind of get, you know, get to talk to you. Cause I mean, I don't know. It, it's kind it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of surreal. Cause it's like, I watch your guys' content and then it's yeah. like, we're actually doing this. So you
1: recognize my background.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, yeah. um,
1: well, that's cool. That's, I mean, listen, I'm always happy to talk about, you know, DC stuff, comic stuff. It, that's my bread and butter. So.
0: Absolutely. Um, before we get into all that I have I have a couple different questions you might not expect here but okay. so cool. you're from uh, you 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 reside in Charlotte I'm a big basketball fan what's the buzz right now like with LaMelo Ball in Charlotte
1: Through the roof um, we are all in on him um he is an incredible incredible talent and it's bizarre because you know going back even just two seasons we were dying to lose Kemba Walker you know who was who was uh, the face of the franchise and just so important to Charlotte as a market. And I, I thought we'd be horrible for a long period of time. And yet I think that the, the, the team makeup right now with the talent that we have on it is the most competitive we've been in a really long time. And this kid's 19. Like I have a 17 year old son and we always joke like, He's only two years older than you. Look what, he's do- <laughs> Look what he's doing. You know, what's the matter with you? Uh, but he's unbelievable. He's so much fun to watch. In fact, they play the Timberwolves tonight when we record, and I can't wait to watch it because it's the last game we're going to get of him before the break, and I'm glad that he made rising stars. So uh, we're a huge, huge NBA family. Um, we love Tar Heel basketball, and so you're you're talking to the right guy.
0: Awesome. I love to hear it because, I mean, I'm, he's probably my favorite player right now just because he, he he's fun to watch, you know, and yeah. – I'm a Lakers fan, so like that's, I, I'm rooting for the Hornets. I, I'm kind of so. Thank you very much. Um,
1: you. It's nice to have relevant basketball in the market because it's been a long time.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, you know, comic book movies are kind of your thing. I'm a big fan of them. I guess for anyone listening out there, I guess kind of give like a quick origin story. I guess about yourself, just like because I, I I read that you. Have been doing you know journalism in the film industry since like 1999 is that correct
1: yeah that's basically when i got started um i I think i wrote a couple of places before that uh for free you know back when the web was sort of kicking off sites were grabbing free labor as much as they could and you you took these gigs to get uh clips essentially and and build yourself back up but i've been full-time writing for paid full-time writing for since 1999 and And have been lucky enough to just sort of grow as the idea of online film journalism has grown uh, and followed it to a lot of different places. And it was, you know, you watched the print side of it struggle and you watch more and more people find different ways to express themselves online, and it's evolved to become uh, podcasts now, and, and even the video components of it, too. people are sort of figuring out ways to make it uh, is very accessible for everybody. So I've been involved in in writing about film and covering the film industry for the better part of 20 years. The, the comic book aspect of it is just, it's something that was always interesting to me. I always read comics uh, as a kid growing up. I was a Marvel kid who collected Uh, a ton of Marvel titles. I I read every Spider-Man title coming out under the sun. I was a big X-Men fan, Um, read a lot of DC as well too, but mostly collected Marvel stuff. And I can't believe almost right now that the, that my two loves um, have been, have evolved to become, you know, as big in the industry as they are now, you know, it's, it feels like everything is cyclical and, and you go through phases where like you know, Westerns were huge back in the day and uh, 70s crime thrillers and the 80s were their own sort of unique genre. <laughs> Comic book movies have been, you know, producing for the past 20 years and don't show any signs of slowing down. And so I just feel like I've been covering this industry at a time when my skill set and my knowledge uh, has been the most applicable. And it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky. That's awesome.
0: It's kind, of, it's kind of funny, though, how like life works out that way and, you know, it's I, so I, true. I, I love that. Um, so, well, congratulations on the new book. I uh, I got my copy. I'm nice. In the middle. My goal is to you know read it. You know uh, before this, but I got it two days ago, and I'm not that fast of a reader, so <laughs>
1: that's okay. <laughs> it's a good primer, I think, for the Snyder Cut, which is coming on the 18th. So you have a little bit more time.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm sure as uh, you are, but. Let's, let's get into, you know, the new book that you just released. Um, what, what inspired like the idea? I mean, just, was it, yeah, I'm, I'm just so curious. That's
1: so much um, I, really. I've never seen anything like this before in, in the 20 years of doing this. Um, it, it's really like, we pay so much attention to these blockbusters that we are highly anticipating And I can't think of another one. The only other one that really jumps to mind would be Phil Lord and Chris Miller leaving um, Solo, a Star Wars story, like in the middle of production on that. Like that's a massive Star Wars movie that lost their directors. But these blockbusters tend to not lose their directors, you know, especially so late in the process. And for Zack Snyder to walk away from a Justice League movie, the first Justice League movie, the first live action Justice League movie was a massive, massive story. Um, And then to have him get replaced by Joss Whedon, who at the time was like the competitor, you know, across the street, he was Marvel's top guy, uh, was was also a massive story. And so those elements alone, I found to be really fascinating. And then the movie being as bad as it was, I found to be really fascinating. The theatrical cut being what it was. But then it was the more as I dug into, you know, the people in the movement, the people who were part of the release of Snyder Cut movement, and the reasons why they Fought so hard uh, for three years to to defend Zach and to to fight for his cut. I just really got swept up in their story, um, and and I really wanted to document it. It became it felt like something that I was compelled to just put down uh, on record and and capture what these people did. And this was even before I started writing this book two years ago. So when I when I first started it, I had no idea the cut was coming. I had no idea that that they were going to succeed, and so um, it was a great ending to get. You know, I was really happy that when Zach was able to announce it before the book went to print, but I was going to try to tell this story regardless of whether the Snyder cut was coming or not, because I thought that in this time frame, the people in the movement were really putting their best foot forward and, and trying their best to fight for this, this cut of this movie. And it was unlike anything I'd seen before.
0: It's, it's definitely, you know, a moment in film history, I believe. I mean, it, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm, I haven't been around that long, but I've, I've never seen anything like it. And I'm i'm glad that you're able to you know tell your story and share the knowledge of it you know i'm really excited to dive into it
1: well i think a lot Um, of times too the studios almost think that like they're just going to weather the storm you know like when there's a when there's a controversy when there's fan uproar um, when there's been some sort of behind the scenes uh, um, meddling the studio can play the long game and say like well ultimately the fans are going to stop you know eventually they're going to give up and move on to the next thing and more often than not that's what happens but that wasn't happening with the snyder cut movement they really (laughs) they hijacked everything that warner brothers tried to do and a big part of that is i think that zach was encouraging them you know like you'll hear these other directors who will almost say to their fans through traditional media channels like you know, thank you for everything you're trying to do, but you don't, you guys don't have to do this. And Zach did the opposite. Zach said, no, keep fighting. I have a better version than the one you got. And uh, if, if you keep fighting for it, I'll be here to, to back you up. So I found that to be really compelling also.
0: Absolutely. I, uh, I just, the fan, the fan, I mean, they wouldn't be here without the fans. I mean, I think uh, what was it, it was uh comic con, or like when the billboards and all that started happening. And then it was the most talked about thing at, you know, the, the panel that wasn't a thing, you know? Right, right, was, right, right. And
1: there was an element too of the Snyder cut where like the fandom always kind of believed that like, this is the moment that we're going to be, that they're going to announce it, you know? And it was a little bit Lucy kick like Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown. They would get their hopes up and it would almost motivate them even more, you know? Um, and, so that even, even in the in the time when Zach finally announced it during that Man of Steel uh, stream that he did, I, I myself and I think a lot of other people felt this way too. You, you almost couldn't believe it when he when he announced it because there were so many other times when you were like, "This is going to be it," you know. He's finally going to announce it, and then when he when he did it, it was unbelievable. But that that Comic Con panel in 2019, the way that they took over downtown San Diego, and then a couple months after that during new york comic-con they bought the times square billboard and those are the two elements those were the two times when right around that time that's when i basically committed myself when i was like okay i'm gonna figure out who these guys are because the times square billboard to me was unbelievable i wouldn't even know where to begin to buy a times square billboard and when you're telling me that a fan base is getting together and doing this a fandom you know is united enough to pull it off i thought i gotta i gotta figure out what their story is and i gotta try to tell it
0: and i'm glad you're uh telling it that's it's it's uh, it's something that needs to be told. I mean, it's and, you know, for the record, you know, putting up a billboard in Times Square is not cheap. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But then, you know, of course, the the every time that they raised money to do something like that, the fact that they would do the equal amount of money and uh, de- donate it to AFSP was also, right. I thought, tremendous, like the, the the emotional component of them raising money uh, and funds to keep the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention going uh and the fact that they've topped over half a million dollars to this date makes that fan base stand apart from others you know makes it makes it different from the the star wars fan base that gets upset about stuff with the um i'm trying to think of another comparable you know it's star wars and dc marvel has their their element i guess but but i, I don't i just don't think if there were any other director if it was there are a few other directors i think would have as passionate a fan base but the fact that zach has such a such a dedicated diehard passion to fan base um, is a big reason why I think that this movement still you know, kept going and succeeded to the point that they did.
0: Definitely. I, I don't, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's really any other directors out there that have this type of fan base. I mean, I've, there's obviously rumblings with the David Ayer cut of suicide squad, but it, it's just, I'm not like, it, it doesn't feel quite this have the same momentum. Maybe it will pick up after, you know, Time tells itself, but I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, is well, the it's release- an
1: element of those characters too? You know, like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman. You know, all of them together on the big screen in live action for the first time is not like Harley is Harley. You know, but then like Captain Boomerang and Deadshot, like they're secondary characters. There isn't that mainstream draw of. I want to see Ben Affleck's Batman again, you know, opposite Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Like that is a, that's a huge momentum push. So I can, I can understand it from that perspective too. Absolutely. Um, what was my, uh,
0: is the, is this, is the release the Snyder cup, but is this your first book that you've published? Cause like, I'm really impressed with just like the, the quality of everything like it's it
1: is i've never gone down this route before uh i never actually thought that i would have a book to um like have a topic that would be compelling enough for me to try to write a book the one of the hardest parts about the book is is selling it um like you can come up with an idea or a concept but and and you could wholeheartedly believe in it but it took me months to find a publisher who was willing to to back it and then there was the element of after they sort of greenlit it and told me to go ahead and write it, um, trying to write the story as it was still unfolding. Uh, I, I've said this, that, you know, it almost felt like you were writing a a breaking news story, you know, in real time sort of thing, but still trying to meet the deadlines of a publisher. And so uh, this, all credit to the publisher for the book looking as good as it does. A friend of mine was talking about like, just the weight and the consistency of it. Like I love holding it in my hands. I really do. I kind of carried around with me everywhere I go and I know that that's really self-serving, but it is, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool.
0: Well, I I can't say congratulations enough. I mean, it's, it's (laughs) a huge, it's a huge feat, and I just think it's so cool that like I was, well, truthfully I ordered it on Amazon and I saw it wasn't coming until the 26th. So I, I, uh, looked up on Barnes and Noble and my local Barnes and Nobles had it. And then, so I canceled the Amazon and went and got it.
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, Listen, I love that it's in in some stores because it's not in any of the Barnes and Nobles around me where I live either. The closest one is like 45 miles. I hope that they eventually stock it and put it on the shelves here because I would love to just walk into one of the bookstores and be able to pick it up and, and say that I bought it there. So.
0: That, that would probably be a very surreal feeling, I bet. Just, I
1: would imagine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's cool. Uh, listen, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. I appreciate you supporting it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I uh, as soon as you were down to come on the show, I was like, okay, I need to get this. Like, I have to support one way or another. And I just want to read the story, obviously. But um, let's get into the uh, Snyder Cut itself. Nice. What? Where is your uh, anticipation level at this point? Because it's... We're only a couple weeks and some change away. Are you excited? It's,
1: a, it's officially at a at a ten out of ten. Yeah, um, yeah, it really is. Uh, we were just we just recorded an episode of our own, of my own podcast, and we were talking about the Snyder Cut, and I was trying to explain to my co hosts um, how different it's going to be. Like, even though you've seen the beats of the story almost play out in the theatrical version, just you know the amount of character building that can be done in a four-hour cut, but also just, you know, even if Zach had got his theatrical cut back in 2017 down to about two and a half hours, you know, you'd be getting an overwhelming amount of stuff that we didn't see before. And then you add an additional 90 minutes to that as well too. Like, I can't, as we get closer into it, I can't wrap my brain around the sheer amount of stuff that we are getting ready to see. Like, it's going to be extremely mind-blowing. And... Yes, we've seen some trailers. Yes, we've seen, you know, a couple of things sort of cut together. but We haven't seen it. We haven't scratched the surface of the amount of things I think he's getting ready to show. And uh, I'm I'm so psyched to just dig into it.
0: Me too, man. It's going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an awesome day for sure.
1: Um, well, and as much as I want to see it theatrically, as much as I think it deserves to be seen on the big screen, like, think about the fact that over the course of a day, you could theoretically watch it, like, three times in a row back to back. Like, as soon as it's over, you could just restart it. Like, that's the beauty of these streaming services is that once the content's there, it's there, and it's yours, and you can just watch it as much as you want.
0: And I, I know. I, I love going to the theater, but its I think it's going to be really nice to be able to watch it and, like, watch it at your own pace and yep. even just be able to rerun it multiple times. So,
1: Absolutely.
0: What would you say is your most anticipated, like, i mean it's hard i mean there's a four hour movie there's so many things that are happening but like what are you looking forward to to the most that you may think may happen
1: yeah no that's there. that's actually pretty easy um because i love flash i love flash um he's one of my favorite he's probably my my most favorite dc character and i think that there's there are going to be elements that we see in the snyder cut where he's just he's going to get his due i thought he was completely mishandled in theatrical yeah. cut you know they just used him for comic relief and there are these um, hints throughout Zach's marketing that there, that he's going to be able to go into the speed force and manipulate time somehow. And I can't wait to see how that plays out. Like, I'm dying to see. One of my favorite scenes in BVS is, is him coming through and communicating with Bruce in the cave, you know, and just hinting at his ability to time travel. And now you're going to get a version of Ezra who hasn't been, uh, or Barry Allen, who hasn't been Flash for a very long period of time, um, is going to be, I think, starting to understand the uh, the impact of his power. And uh, I can't wait to see how Zach treats that. I think it's going to be fantastic.
0: Um, that's definitely uh, what I'm looking forward to as well, just because, you know, his character was not done justice, you know, no pun intended, but yeah, he, uh, it, it, it'll be interesting. I mean... I mean, with all the characters, because, you know, just what the story is about, you know, the tragedy of the death, you know, Superman's death. And I-, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how these characters deal with kind of that grief. Well, not all of them, because they haven't, I guess, interacted or met him technically, but I- I'm I'm really curious to see uh, uh, Batman, how he because he was even kind of, you know, quirky and treated as a joke, you know, with jokes in the. Theater. It was like, what? That's not Batman. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> I know we could go movie. on and on, but like. I...
1: <laughs> it's such a drastic shift from the way he's portrayed in BVS. And, you know, I honestly think Affleck is the best Batman that we've ever seen. And I think that I think BVS is a better Batman movie than it is a Superman movie. And I think, you know, people can sort of debate that. Um, but being able to see his portrayal in a full four hour cut is going to be. Phenomenal! I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait. We're so close.
0: With it's very, we're very close. I mean, I've <laughs> I've seen. Uh, well, March is going to be a very exciting month, just with the Snyder Cut and then uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, Godzilla versus Kong. we you know, it's good. It's a great day to be uh, a film fan for sure.
1: Wandavision finale. I'm oh, I'm
0: I'm excited. I, I I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah.
0: Do you have any bold predictions for? The finale, or are you just gonna enjoy it for what it is?
1: I mean, I feel like I've made a lot of predictions for that show that just haven't come true. Um, you know, because we're all focusing on the little Easter egg things that are hinted out there about right. the uh, the engineer and and these little bits, these little things that are name dropped. Um, I still am convinced that, not to get off Snyder Cut for a minute, yeah, but, but Wanda expanding the hex and pulling more people into it in order to retrieve vision's body is a very intentional, you know, and a massive, that's a massive move. And I don't know why you include it unless you want the repercussions to that action to be pretty significant, you know, and it's proven that people who go through the hex, like Monica, you know, they get their cells altered. And I, I, I have bought into a notion that, that, that is somehow going to be the creation of mutants in the MCU you know, that, that innocent people that got pulled into the hex, uh, are going to be changed in some way, shape or form. And similar to the way that mutants in the comics, you know, they're, they're a little bit upset about the fact that they're born with this mutation. Uh, this is just a way to sort of alter of people being upset about being a mutant and being different because they didn't choose to be pulled into Wanda's hex. I think, I don't know. Cause I also do want to know who Jimmy Woo's, uh, witness protection program person is you know like that got name dropped and then forgotten so i want to see if we get an answer to that
0: maybe you know they threw it away over our heads for a reason you know because there's been so many nuggets in the show but there's a lot i'm 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 excited you know it's i'm like today i was like oh it's already wednesday only two more days let's go but um
1: yeah
0: yeah but uh going going back to the snyder cut didn't mean to go off uh You know but hey it's, it's it's uh you know no need to be divided it's all good content you know um um what was i gonna ask next okay i kind of lost my train of thought it's been a long day um so in journalism what would you say like the the you know writing this book and releasing this book would that be one of your favorite moments that you've had like in your career so far or has there been any other moments that like you remember where it was like wow that I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life
1: i mean a few yeah I've, I've been lucky enough to have a few um being able to go to a set is pretty crazy uh you know for someone who just loves film as much as i do and and loves the process like being able to go to any set is unbelievable and to watch people film it's very fun to watch on a set, you watch people film a scene, and then you know months later, a year later, when you go and see the film, the movie itself, to see it realized on the big screen and to know that like, oh my god, I was in the warehouse where that happened, or I was in whatever studio space where this was being shot. And then you see it perfected on the big screen is, is mind-blowing. And I've been able to go to, uh, we went to the set of, well, we went to the Justice League set back in 2016. Uh, and got to interview Zach and Debbie on the set of that movie. And so to see to go through the costume department for that with Michael Wilkinson and and show his developments for Flash and Aquaman and Batman and and uh, Wonder Woman, which is amazing. and have um, been to a ton of marvel sets and and you know, been really, really lucky for stuff like that. Uh, but, but putting the book out was Monday when the book dropped is is a day that I will never, ever, ever forget. because I literally heard from people, who were just sharing photos of them receiving it um, from all over the world. And part of that is, is Zach's influence. Like his film fan base is global, you know, and it's it's amazing how uh, how much his films mean to so many people uh, in all corners of the globe and how these DC characters are so important to them. So they bought this book because they wanted to, to read about it and it's the power of that fandom. And so you, I was getting messages from you know, Mexico and Spain and Germany and Sweden. And I would never dream that that's even possible, you know, like I would never dream that that's possible. So I'll never forget that. Like that was an incredible, incredible day.
0: That's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy for you. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to say it again. Congratulations. <laughs> like, thank
1: that's, thank that's, you so much. Yeah. The whole so ride great. has been insane. The whole ride has really been insane. Um, You know, first time author is not supposed to, is not supposed to connect this way. Maybe they do. I'm, I, you know, I, but I don't. I think it's a struggle, and it's been a struggle. Believe me, it's been a lot of work. But the way that this is lined up, and the way that this book is coming out, um, you know, 17 days before the the actual Snyder Cut gets announced and released, is it's mind blowing to me. It, it'll, I'll never, I'll never accept that this ha- <laughs> that this happened this way. It's just too weird. It's too weird
0: i mean perfect timing was was the march 1st release date always what you had in mind or well well no why well, take that back because you said that you were going to release the book regardless if the cut was yeah going back, so
1: well and it was supposed to be february 15th and then really covid slowed a lot of things down um the all industries obviously stopped but the book industry in particular with its shipping and its production um that pushed everything back but we were going to come out in first quarter of 2021 regardless we knew that much uh with the book and then we were waiting to sort of find out when hbo max was going to announce it. because if you remember they waited a long time to announce the release date for the movie and i thought the movie could have been a summer release um i thought maybe it could have even been like the fall maybe like a november release uh to really drum up expectation so when they said it was going to be march as well too that was all just a happy accident Just a happy accident and i can't i really can't believe it i can't believe it
0: i mean that's things just work out sometimes you know that's meant to be it's amazing it's the story needs to be told um um, what were some of the biggest obstacles though and like headaches i guess because like not many people out there know what it's like to be an author or publish your own book so i mean Mm. was it just the pressure of like a deadline or just getting everything together or what, what what were some headaches you may have run into that you're willing to share?
1: Deadlines aren't that much of an issue because I write to them every single day. Um, One, one of the biggest challenges was just that the studio didn't want to help. Like they had no interest in, because when I started this, they didn't want to even acknowledge that the Snyder cut was, was a thing. Um, And I've got really good contacts at Warner brothers, like good friends of mine who I've been working with for years, who just said like, good luck. You know, we wish you luck in telling the story, but we can't help you at all. And um, you know, in this situation, you want the studio to almost help you set up as many interviews as you can, and you wanna be able to get access to different places. And even a lot of people who I spoke to that were like, okay, well, what's the studio's opinion on this? Because they didn't wanna, you know, tick the studio off in any way, shape or form, or potentially could potentially work with the studio down the line. And then on the fan side, um, it was a challenge to get the fans to to um, open up to me and to really trust that that I was going to do right by their story because they'd been burned by the media before. So, um, it took a long time of selling people on the book and on myself uh, that I was going to really do justice to the story and to really get to the heart of what was going on. Because I think a lot of people in the movement felt that they had been manipulated by the press up to that point. So, um, I had to really sell myself as much to the fan base as much as I was selling the book to potential publishers.
0: That it sounds like quite the obstacle. I mean, it's, but. You that's know, you part of the it. fun,
1: though. Yeah. Honestly, that's part of the fun. Um, you know, I like the process of sending out pitch emails and and tracking people down. There's a little bit of that. You know, it, that's a big element of of journalism. You know, of chasing after a story, and you get these little these little wins along the way. You know, like you want to You single out a couple of different people. Like, oh, I really got to talk to them. I really want to get to them. And then when you do, that's a huge win. So you end up experiencing like a series of 40 to 50 wins (laughs) along the way. And then at the end of it, you have a book you can hold in your hand.
0: I I guess that's what keeps you moving. It's like a snowball effect almost, right? Like it's just, yeah. Counting up the wins and keeping it moving. That's
1: great analogy. It's a great, that's,
0: that's amazing. Um, I've, I've got a question regarding, I guess, kind of Zack Snyder, just like, do you think obviously his films have such a impact on people? Do you think it's more of, this really happened because of more of a well obviously there's enough did this happen because like people because often with online like person you know people they fall in love with who these people are you know and all that do you think it's more they're a huge fan of their work but they also realize what a great guy zach is and all that or what what do you think ma- makes these people ride so hard for him i guess what i'm trying to ask
1: that's a huge component of it yeah it's just that he is so upfront and transparent and um connects with his fans you know um he seems to just be a stand-up guy and he seems to really you know whenever he lets himself show off who he is uh it resonates and it connects with fans there's a couple other filmmakers you could think of um edgar wright you know has a tremendous fan base because he just seems to be Pretty straightforward, pretty stand-up, you know. He's available on social media and his his fans can access him. Kevin Smith is another guy who's really cultivated his audience and grown out his fan base. And people have really responded not just to Kevin Smith's films, but to who he is. I think Zach absolutely has that. You know, there's plenty of other filmmakers who are like a Christopher Nolan, you know, who's pretty standoffish. <laughs> um, you know, might be a really nice guy uh in person, but seems to be somewhat aloof and um and does things a certain way uh tarantino is another guy who you know feels like he'd be at a drive-in with you you know and shoot the shit over genre films um but absolutely the personality that zach puts forward i think is is one that people really like to get behind and you know i've made this argument that if if the other film that got caught in the crosshairs of warner brothers trying to switch uh franchises midstream was like shazam you know like I think David Sandberg's a really nice guy, but I don't think you'd have a ride or die fan base, you know, to see the the Sandberg cut of of, uh, of Shazam with all due respect to him. Right. Uh, it's just who Zach is. And it's the fact that his fan base is as passionate and super into his material, you know, that that led to this movement. That's why when I get asked, I get asked a lot, like, is this going to change the way things happen in the industry from here on out? Like, no, I don't think it's going to, because I just think there's so many factors that have to be in play to see this type of story get replicated. And, and one of those things is, you know, the the director has to have a, as passionate a fan base as Snyder does. And I don't think that there are that many f- directors that have that. So I think that feeds into a lot of why this happened.
0: Definitely. It definitely played a huge role. Um, and, I, you know, back to timing, I mean, with the role of HBO max, it made more sense than ever. It seemed like,
1: Oh, if if we didn't have streaming services, we would not be getting the Snyder cut. Like I'm I'm really confident in saying that. Like especially the way the COVID has messed up theatrical distribution and pushed everything back. If the if Snyder was trying to get a theatrical window for his movie, it would be years before everything had been ironed out. You know, look at look at huge franchises that have a lot of money resting on them like the Bond franchise. Bond franchise beyond its own film, has, you know, sponsorship deals in place with things that have to show up in their films. And, you know, the next movie that's coming in the franchise and Sony has big ticket things like Ghostbusters and Spider-Man and Warner Brothers had to cut a deal with HBO Max to get its own theatrical stuff, like into theaters. And like the theatrical model is messed up for years to come. Um, And so without streaming, I don't think the Snyder Cut would have a a natural place to go to. And so HBO Max came along at a great time.
0: Definitely. Do you think the the movie theater model will ever get back to where it was or do you think i mean just because of covid and then the way i mean there i feel like every big company has a streaming you know there's own streaming now i I feel like
1: yeah i kind of feel like and i don't know this is gonna take a little while to shake out but i almost feel like movie theaters they're never gonna go away they're always going to exist but they're really just going to be there for big ticket items um, that that mid mid budget character driven type stuff is always is going to exist on streaming, in some way shape or form. Um, exa- examples of that kind of remind me of like um, the little things you know that's playing on HBO Max now with Jared Leto and Denzel Washington. Like that's not going to that's going to have a really hard time finding a spot in a theater. And so to that end, I could almost see the the 24 screen and 22 screen multiplexes um, shrinking down to like a 10 screen type thing. Because why do you need 24 screens um, if you do, you know, you do 10 to 15 and you have Black Widow on half of them, you know, and Godzilla versus Kong on the other half. And people go out to see the big ticket, you know, blockbuster type items. It almost becomes like a concert type thing. Um, but I I, th- I think you're going to have a hard time finding uh, indies, mid film type things. I think that they're going to start living on streaming moving forward.
0: I... I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but at least from my perspective too, it's like, I'm, I was just thinking what, what you're saying. It's like, what movies that, co- you know, do I really want to go to the theater now? I mean, I miss it, but it's, I don't know. It's changed the game. It's like, Oh, I could just watch it at home, but.
1: And you'll have a component of directors who are always going to fight to see their stuff shown in the theater. But when we have Scorsese and Fincher, you know, making movies for Netflix, you know, the, the evolution is happening. We're, we're watching it happen in real time.
0: Which is, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting, but also it's, Snyder's Snyder's
1: making army of the dead, you know, yeah. Snyder's making army of the dead for Netflix. Like the, the directors that, that still hold the, the fort for, you know, theatrical screening, I think they all still love it. They all still believe in it, but the, but they're adapting to the streaming model uh, faster than anybody thought possible.
0: Yeah. It's like COVID. I feel like just obviously accelerated it, you know, and it's, it's, it happens. I mean, you got to adapt to the marketplace, I guess. Right. I mean, very true
1: now, you know, could I eventually see, you know, there's a couple of other big ticket films that are coming and I'm thinking of like, you know, avatar Two. like Cameron's not gonna let that go to a streaming service. Oh
0: no, no chance.
1: <laughs> You're yeah. going to a theater for that. And it's probably going to be a movie that warrants the big screen. You know, they'll still keep making movies that warrant the big screen, but even something like, marvel you know to bring them up again briefly uh they are one of the movies that people who don't normally go to the theater would at least go say like all right i'm gonna go see the new marvel movie because it's out right but they're showing that they can do long-form television now with something like wandavision and keep an audience hooked for weeks they've evolved everybody who tells different stories are going going to evolve and so we'll just see how it continues to grow
0: it's going to be very uh, interesting you know to see going forward do you think um like going forward though with DC, I mean, there's been rumors about continuing the Snyderverse and all that. One, do you think that is going to be a thing? And two, what what is uh, your most anticipated DC project going forward? What you would say?
1: Um, okay, first about the Snyderverse, uh, I do think they're going to figure out some way to continue it uh, because, and I think it's going to be on HBO Max, and. I just don't think that they would invest $70 million in a one time, Hey, finish this off, you know, to, to be the, the cul-de-sac that, that it was called in the, in the, uh, I believe it was the New York times. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with it next. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the Ben Affleck continuation, you know, for the story that he wanted to tell for a while, I thought maybe it was going to be another Superman story, but the fact that they're rebooting Superman, uh over on the in the dceu kind of thing is a little bit puzzling um it's weird because dc has almost set itself up now where they can do anything that they want to do and it doesn't have to be connected anymore you know they can do a joaquin phoenix joker or a james gunn suicide squad and they don't have to have continuity and i think that that's exciting because you know then if someone comes to you with a really good idea you can green light it and say yeah go make that and you don't have to worry too much about how it works in universe um, so for that reason, two of the projects that I'm most anticipating is Matt Reeves' Batman. Like, I think Matt Reeves is a genius filmmaker. And, you know, I don't know if I love Pattinson in the role yet. I'm willing to give him a shot. But it looks like Seven to me. And I f- I freaking love Seven. <laughs> so if you're telling me they made Seven with, you know, Jeffrey Wright and Robert Pattinson, <laughs> and it's a Batman movie. Great. I'm in. That sounds amazing. Um, And then I want to see Andy Muschietti's Flash, you know, because if it's going to do the multiverse, and if it's going to be a version of Flashpoint where Michael Keaton's Batman comes back, that sounds nuts. And uh, yeah, I'm in, that sounds great, do that. So we'll see. Um, But I think the future is pretty bright for DC because they're not trying to force everything into a shared universe. So let Snyder do some stuff on HBO Max if he wants to, uh, and let Matt Reeves do a Batman movie and let, you know, the rock play black adam and and don't make everything have to connect just just make good stories make good movies and people keep coming back
0: exactly i think they they've seemed to found their formula and i you know i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes really i mean i'm i'm really excited for the suicide squad just because i'm a i I think james gunn is just a terrific filmmaker and i just it seems like he has a unique approach to that but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited for all of them. I mean, it, I I think it's a great time to be alive for, to be a DC fan. So, a comic book fan in
1: general. Yeah, there's just so many good stories being told right now, and the fact that anybody would you know argue that they don't need one or the other is crazy to me. Like, just embrace it, love it all.
0: That's that's you know that's what I'm about. It's you can like them both. You can like Star Wars too. Like, it, it's all. No, no need for the toxic uh, toxicity and the hatred. You know, there's
1: room at the table for everybody.
0: Yeah, it's exactly yeah. Um, well, those are really all the questions I had for you. But I, um, I I really do appreciate your time, Sean. It it was really cool to do this, and I'm glad that you know. If I I hope you know, people listening, check out the book, the release, the Snyder Cut, the crazy true story behind the fight that saved. Zack Snyder's Justice League by Sean O'Connell himself. Go check that out. It's on Amazon and other stores. Barnes & Noble, apparently. Barnes & Noble, yep. That's, <laughs> that's where I got mine. Be, yeah, your local one. But
1: That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Really great questions. And uh, please let me know what you think of the book when you got through it.
0: Absolutely. Now, I will definitely be in touch. And I th- th- thanks again. No problem. Talk to you soon.